Welcome to our interview series. Thank you, Jennifer. So um, I know a lot of principals dedicate their life and decades of, of their life to education, and you as well. But in addition to that, you, have, you come from a very unconventional background. Can you share with us a little bit more about your past experiences and how that has shaped your education philosophy? When I left school very early, um, I ended up learning a lot experientially through my, uh, my late teens and my 20s and uh, eventually fell in love with learning myself as an adult, where um, I embarked on a series of uh, degree studies, starting with a bachelor's degree and finishing with a PhD. So what brought you to China? Yo 東南亞的學生,呃,九四九五年,當時是澳大利亞規模最大的私立學校,they uh, were just uh, in negotiations with Nanjing師範大學附屬中學,and uh, I was appointed as a principal of that school. So how did you make that experiential learning experience memorable for the children? We learn in different ways, and we can divide learning into what I would call semantic learning, which is where we acquire facts. And experiential learning就是经过体验学习获得的那个经验知识，完全是依赖于自己的那个五官，有那个回忆，你可以自己体会到我当时我在哪里，我做什么，我看到什么，我听到什么，我闻到什么。所以我就按照呃体验学习的一些原则
the teachers, no other school has this, this curriculum. And it relies on the teachers having this ability to exchange, to cooperate, to coordinate, to harmonize. So you may do polygons in English maths in grade two for this unit. And then maybe for a later unit in Chinese mathematics, you do the same uh, material, but through the medium so of Chinese. So it's kind of like spiral learning. Spiral learning where... Consolidating, but different languages. And as the students move through primary school, particularly, they are acquiring an understanding of the world through both a lens of English language and Chinese language. That's quite unique to ISF because you actually explicitly teach um, ethics and Chinese values. Can you share with us more about how well, you Well, we have the eight virtues, which come from the Chongqiu Shidai. And if you look at Chinese literature all the way through um, Sun Zhongchan, and he was talking about Bada. And in fact, there are uh, Chinese communities to this day that still value the notion of these eight virtues. And so that provides us with an ideal set of, if you like, the, the, the cardinal points on our moral compass. But how do you actually integrate it into the students' daily learning, disciplinary actions? Yeah, they have to be surrounded by the symbols. So uh, classes in primary school are named after the virtues. We have So they're surrounded. They have that sense of connection and belonging to their virtue. 如果他们行为没有达到我们的要求，我们用什么？不是，呃，第一百三十七条。We <laughs> say, well, which one of the eight virtues have you not fulfilled? And increasingly, students they use that language with themselves, with us. We use it. 我是红利的总校长，八点一致也也也是针对我自己。我天天我到办公室，我上班，我跟任何人有接触有交流，我方方面面时时刻刻要满足那个理想，别人看到我就知道，好，那个是可靠的。先行其言而后从之。So I know on even on your ISF website, there is a specific um, tab on experiential learning, how it is applied in ISF. So experiential learning, um, it's important that we realise that um, education is not an end in itself. Mm. What all of my employers have asked me to do after I left school was solve a problem. So what do I need for that? Well, first we're teaching them how to behave. 跟其他的同学如何交流, 跟家长,跟社会的那个成人,社会其他人,陌生人怎么教,how I experience and express myself through my values, through my worldview. Can you share with us a little bit more about um, your Shuyuan uh, program? Shuyuan原来的那个概念是有影响一个教育的实验室。We felt that these were things that we could make part of 
complementary to and supportive of mainstream curriculum. But we found we had students who were very bright, who wanted to explore the world beyond the curriculum, where we taught students how to observe. And trying to strike that balance where students could think and learn. And then we started con to connect that to things like scientific research, mm. research into the humanities. Mm -hmm. So we have a molecular biology lab. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the molecular biology lab is fully equipped university level laboratory. Mm -hmm. um, and students can elect to join the program and conduct research on their own, um, usually on their own bacteria. Mm. And then if they find something interesting, they publish. And so this is all helping them to understand um, the world's a big place and the curriculum in school is limited in time. So is this, is this all provided under the school um, curriculum schedule or do they sign up extra? Um, some things, we started out with those things being done separately yep. and increasingly we have integrated them into the, uh, the mainstream curriculum. Yep, yep. So I saw on your website that you offered 220 um, co-curricular activities and some of them are quite unique. Can you share more about those with us? We do use the term co-curriculum rather than extra-curricular. Um, for example, Wushu, martial arts. That is a subject that students must study in primary school. And this is a good example of what we do with some of the other programs. The students learn certain Wushu routines and whilst they're doing those routines, they recite poetry or classics. So when they do the action in the wushu routine, their brain is saying, here is the line from the poem that I need to recite. And the kids have so much fun doing it. Uh, in fact, wushu is uh, one of those programs that uh, some students like to stay involved in. In uh, December last year, the eighth Junior World Championship for Wushu was held in Jakarta. The Australian team of 12 members consisted of seven current ISF students. So that is a great example of something that um, extends from within the core curriculum into the co-curriculum and into um, activities and sports outside of school. Um, it's interesting that in the current season of uh, co-curricular activities, we have over 4,000 registrations from uh, over 2,000 students. So it means on average, they do at least two activities per week. It may be fencing, which has become quite popular in Hong Kong. It may be chess. The co-curricular programs provide that way of students developing character as well as skill. Perhaps overcoming the disappointment of defeat, but also commitment. Because when students get to those final examinations and the world beyond, they're gonna need that resilience, commitment, courage. Those are things that um, I think are more easily and effectively developed through a rich co-curricular program. How do you select students? I think we need to understand that the education of a child is not something that is done in isolation. We have to have a curriculum. We have to have a teacher. We have to have a school. We have to have values. We have mission statements. But without a really, really important element, that will fail. Parents, the first teacher, 
Second teacher, here. Third teacher, the environment. Fourth teacher, their experience. All of those have to come together. We need full engagement, belief, commitment from mum, from dad. They need to believe in what we're doing. You know, sometimes we'll have parents who will um, say, um, oh, bilingualism, I'm talking But when you get to that point of saying, okay, we're now going to do maths in Chinese, science in Chinese, we're teaching them how to read Shakespeare. We're teaching them how to read Tang Shu. We're teaching them how to, to explore the mysteries of science in both English and Chinese. We're looking for parents who want that who are committed to that. And if we can arrive at that commitment to each other, then I think we've got um, a basis to cooperate. There is no school that's perfect. There's no child that's perfect. Getting that, that match, that fit, yeah. your child, your family, your values, your worldview, is that a fit for ISF? So we want to Thank you so much for all the inspiring insights and um, sharing. Um, just want to say a huge thank you for sparing your time for addressing our interview. Thank you. Welcome to the Edumaker Podcast Series.